0: Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, assistant pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to you today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join me for the broadcast today. And what to honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I'm honored that you would take time out of your busy day and week to make it a, 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 a priority to be a part of the Striving for Revival broadcast. You know, there's a lot of things that are constantly change, a lot of crazy stuff that happens in our society. But I'm glad Jesus never changes. I'm glad the Bible stands. I'm glad we can come here and find some uh, consistent, some constancy, and something that's concrete in these ever-changing circumstances of life. Changes happen politically. Changes happen economically. Changes happen socially. They happen emotionally. They happen uh, through tragedy, through trial, through sickness, through war. They happen through uh, uh, in elections. They happen through whatever. Circumstances just change. But Jesus stays the same. You know, the Jesus who gave peace yesterday gives peace today. The Jesus who guided yesterday will guide today. The Jesus who forgave you yesterday can forgive today. The Jesus who loved yesterday still loves today. The Jesus who provided will provide today. The Jesus who saved can still save today. The Jesus who lived, he's still alive today. That's right. The Jesus that, uh, listen, that was so sweet in your life, the one that you fellowshiped with before, he still wants to have that fellowship today. He's the same. He hasn't altered. He's there. If you'll just let him be God in your life and thank God for who he is, thank God for what he's done, thank God for Jesus and for that fact that he never changes. He said, I'm the Lord. I changed not. We've been in Hebrews chapter number eight here as of late, and we've read down through verse number six, last broadcast, and we found this pivoting point or this pivotal point in Hebrews. It's verse number six of chapter eight. Now, the writer begins to take his focus and move it from the fact that Jesus is a better priest than now talking about that he ushered in a better covenant. They've done away with the old, and he's brought in the New. And we're going to read some verses now in these following verses in this chapter and the next. How that the new covenant supersedes or is better than the Old Covenant. By the way, that's why, you know, you have these different groups that say, well, the Sabbath is Saturday. No, sir. Christian people go to church on Sunday. Why? Because we're giving uh, credence. We're testifying to the fact our Lord arose on that first day of the week and all these other different uh, false thoughts and uh, theologies and philosophies that come in. Why? Because folks don't understand. The Old Testament does not apply to us. It's been fulfilled in Christ. Now, there's some great principles in the Old Testament, some great practices even. In the Old Testament that we can still incorporate into our life. But we get our doctrine from the New Testament for the church-age believer and from these epistles that Paul wrote, and now we're here in the book of Hebrews. Now, we see the book of Hebrews. We don't know exactly who the human author was. I suspect it was the Apostle Paul, though it's not mentioned specifically. Uh, whoever the human writer was, you know, the Holy Ghost inspired him to write this book. Now, Jesus is better. That's the theme of Hebrews. We found it in chapter 1, chapter 2, and all the way up now into chapter number 8. In fact, in verse number 22 of chapter 7, it even says, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a, here's the word, better testament. And that's right, Jesus is better. Better than angels, better than creation, better than Moses, better than Abraham, you name it. Jesus is better. Let's begin reading now in verse number 6 for context, but verse 7 will be our new verse for today, and we'll go down here into the chapter. But now hath he, talking about Jesus, obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. So Jesus is the mediator. He is that go-between. He's that conduit that brings in... A better covenant that was established upon better promises. Verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Now... I don't want you to read into that and think, well, that means the Old Testament is full of error. That's not what that means. It means that the law was not given to make man righteous or right with God. The law was given to prove to man his inability to ever make himself righteous or be right in the eyes of God. The law could not save. The law could not cleanse. The law could not cover. The law could not make one righteous, if you will. It was not Faultless, but had that fault in it that it could not make a man right with God. Verse eight, for finding fault with them, he saith, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, that's an Old Testament reference. You can look back to the book of Jeremiah and find it. Also, Isaiah chapter 61, verse number eight, where God told his people that there would be a new covenant, there would be a new testament. And you might have to look at it and study it. It might not say that in those exact express words, but the thought is there that there'll be a day when he'll take away the first to establish the second. By the way, that principle... Is found throughout Scripture, that God takes away the first and establishes the second. And we think about the first Adam, thank God for the second Adam. We think about the first earth, he's going to bring in a second, a new heaven and a new earth. All of these different things. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament, all right? Let's look at verse number nine. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. The reason God will not continue in that original covenant with Israel is they continued not in His covenant. It says right here, Israel broke the covenant which they made with God at uh, through Moses at Mount Sinai and therefore God annulled it and he established a new covenant or a New Testament. As a result, God now has therefore regarded them not. That means God now no longer regards Israel as remaining in that former covenant. The, now I'm not trying to say Israel is still not a covenant of people with God. They are. We don't believe in replacing theology at all, but the covenant God made with Abraham is still in force even though Israel uh, abrogated the later covenant made with Moses. That Abrahamic covenant is still in place they're still god's chosen people they're still looking for a literal inheritance an earthly inheritance one day their king will come king jesus after the tribulation period establishes millennial kingdom but god has taken away that original covenant and established the second right now we're living in the new testament the church age if you will there is a new and living way a better way verse number 10 for this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts, and I'll be to them a God, and they shall be to me a... People. Now, the writer is going to proceed to quote from Jeremiah chapter 31. You can go back and look verse 31 through 34. One of these days, and you've got time, go back and, and look at Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. And he's establishing the fact that God had long ago foretold the coming of a new covenant. The old covenant had been written upon tables of stone, but the New Testament or new covenant is written in the mind and in the fleshy tables of the Heart, the Holy Spirit takes residence within the believer. He abides inside at the new birth. He's the one who birth. birth I want to say, birth, borns you, births you into the family of God, born again by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. In so doing, we have become God's people, and He's our God. That's the new covenant. The old covenant was given to Moses on those stone tablets. The New Testament's written upon our heart by the Holy Ghost Himself. You read on. Let's look at verse eleven. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest for i'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins what a, what a promise and their iniquities will i remember no more. He's continuing, the writer is, to look back at Jeremiah 31. Verse 11 looks forward to the day when Jesus is going to rule and reign in the millennial kingdom. That has a millennial kingdom uh, context to it. Verse 11, there'll be a day when everyone will know that he's the Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, Jesus will be reigning king of kings, Lord of lords. That'll be the ultimate fulfillment of that verse there in the millennial kingdom. But I like what it says right here. It talks about he'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more he completed this on Calvary in his redemptive work that word translated as merciful it has the same context as being a propitiation for our sin a covering for our sin it has the idea that he'll satisfy God's demand that blood be shed for sin how because Christ will shed his own blood for our sin on the cross apply it to the mercy seat in heaven and that will be an eternal payment for our sin Jesus finished the work. God no longer remembers our unrighteous to our iniquities when we get saved gone 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 yes our sin is gone why because jesus paid it all and all to him i owe now we'll see something pretty interesting here in verse number eight he says their sin and iniquities will i remember no more he'll say it again in chapter 10 you go to verse 11 he talks about that hall of fame of faith every one of those people had sin and the old testament records their failings and some of them had great failings and faults but it's not mentioned in hebrews 11 why because of the promise of Hebrews chapter number eight and Hebrews chapter number 10, their sins and their iniquities. will I remember no more. If you're saved today, thank God. He didn't just wipe your slate clean. He threw your slate away. Sin is gone because of Jesus. Well, join us next broadcast. Until then, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California.